Hello, all you lovely souls who revel in embracing life just as I do. This is Nirja Malik and you are welcome into my world of I Embrace. And what do we intend to do here? We delve into the many layers and shades of my life, exploring resilience, positivity, strength, and the inherent fun in laughter that lies deep within each of us. Interludes from my own exciting and adventurous journey, my personal battles and victories that have brought forth innumerable lessons in my life. It is these learnings that I place on a golden platter with utmost humility for your personal consumption. My dearest divine souls, and we meet yet again. And again, when the idea of meeting up with you happens to me, it fructifies. My heart races without control. And it is so good to be back with you once again. So, one bright morning, my patience finally ran out. No longer could I wait for an opportunity to take a spin on the lambretta outside the confines of CME, standing for College of Military Engineering, Pune. Instead of taking the regular bus to college, I decided to ride there instead. And which college? Wadia. Immediately after my uncle left for work, I gleefully hopped onto the scooter. Papu, my aunt, came running towards me, vehemently stating that I dared not go alone. <laughs> in her so-called aunt-adult mind, she decided to follow me in a bus to keep an eye on me. We rode together to the bus stop where she got on and sitting at the window admonished me not to go faster than the vehicle but to ride alongside it. But the adventurous impulses in her brewed up quite assiduously and before the bus could pull out of its stop, she alerted the conductor that she wanted to get off. So jumping onto the pillion seat behind me, she informed me that she only wanted to be with me to ensure that I would keep out of trouble. Ha, ha, ha. She just wanted to take a ride with me. And gosh, did we enjoy the drive thereafter. College be damned. We drove all the way to Marzorin, which was quite a distance from CME, and happily gorged on chicken sandwiches and cold coffee before heading back home. This was my first ever long-distance ride on a scooter and every moment was a thrilling experience. But all good things do come to an end. 
the culmination of our adventure was not as exhilaratingly exciting as it had started. When we returned home, my uncle had already returned from work, and I knew that I would have to confess and spill the beans. Describing my uncle's reaction as mild on hearing my confession would be anything but the truth. He erupted as a fiery volcano, and whatever he could lay his hands on came flying towards me. Thankfully, it was only a sock that landed gracefully as a snowflake between the two of us. Fortunately for me, his boots were more than an arm's distance away from him, or else he would have preferred to fling one of them at me like a well-aimed missile. After all, he was in the armed forces, in the army, and knew how to tackle any missile. What followed was an eerie silence from his end, which lasted for quite a few days. Till one blessed morning, the smile was back on his bristling, mustachioed face. All was well in our world once more. However, I was strictly not allowed to leave the confines of CME. And why? I didn't have a license, you see. And my uncle was petrified that if my father knew that I had taken the lambretta out for a spin, he would have been downright furious. He, my father, and my uncle's older brother, being a principled man that he was, he would never allow anyone without a driving license to even touch the steering wheel of his car. So the matter was amicably settled between my uncle and I, and life began to move forward both joyously and peacefully. But the rebellious bug to wildly abandon all restrictions and to daringly go where angels fear to tread temptingly tugged at my perpetually adventurous heart. This time around, the opportunity presented itself more unsuspectingly. My uncle was posted to the northern borders of our country and with this newfound freedom, the world once again became my oyster to do with as I pleased. Shortly after my uncle left to join his unit, I disclosed to Papu that the urge to ride out again had overtaken me beyond control. I could actually feel the illusory winds rustling through my hair and the icy touch of the chilling breeze on the tip of my nose. Seeing the determined look on my face, Papu had no alternative but to relent finally and join me on my preordained escapade. Now this is where the episode takes a dark turn. The initial ride leading towards the exit from CME is interwoven with one-way roads and well-manicured hedges. As we were approaching a crossroad, my attention was focused entirely on the left side, expecting traffic from there alone. 
Suddenly my world exploded. There was a loud screeching of tires and the crunching sound of a collision. And I passed out. When I came to, I found myself being lifted off the floor by many hands. I protested loudly, demanding to be put down on the ground and to be left alone. Papu's angry voice filtered into my ears as she and the congregation accused the lady of irresponsibly driving the car down the wrong side of the road. In the midst of all this, I was informed that I had flown off the scooter, fallen on the roof of her car, slid down to the boot and landed on the gravel-strewn road which was the cause of the multiple abrasions on my back, making it look like a psychedelic painting. So I passed out. But as for Papu, she gently landed on the grassy patch nearby without even a single scratch. I was eventually delivered into the capable hands of Dr. Upal, a dear family friend. With one discerning look at my terribly bruised back and the knowledge that I had fallen on my head, he took an immediate decision to keep me at his home for at least a month-long observation. Coincidentally, and quite ironically, my father also met with an accident in Mumbai at the same time. My mother... Attending a family function in Delhi, strangely felt uneasy and restless. Was this feeling a premonition that occurred just before the ominous phone call informing her that my father had been taken to the hospital by caring and concerned neighbours? My mother immediately flew to Bombay to be with him. Hearing about this simultaneous disaster, Papu and I resolved to delay conveying what had transpired with us in Pune. And in any case, I would be back home within a month's time. But here is when I must describe a nightmarish experience that embedded itself deep into my mind, night after night. Every time I heard the screeching of tires outside on the main road, I would wake up breaking into a cold sweat with my entire body frozen in anguish and anxiety. My reaction to this jarring sound never abated in intensity right through my stay at Dr. Opal's residence, which unfortunately was right on the main road. And at night, when the silence was overbearingly immense, the screeching of the tires took on a hellish sound from which I found it very difficult to escape. One chilly night, back home, and hale and hearty, I stepped onto the garden in front of Papu's home, strolling and enjoying the silence while communicating with the stars, twinkling in the boundless skies. I turned the corner towards the main door and my feet came to a grinding halt. The beast 
that I had been unconsciously avoiding all these days stood sleek and shining as a proud and rebellious stallion in its new avatar. It was absolutely back from the garage in its final finery and sleek glory. But when I saw it, my hands turned cold and clammy. The fear that had been hounding me accosted me now larger than life. I did not dare to approach it. My heart bounded furiously and I was shocked at my own reaction. And then, as if a movie played out in front of my eyes, I recalled an incident in my life that had occurred just when I was about to enter my teens. Wellington Staff College. I was about 12 years old and deeply drawn towards the horses in the army stables. My parents encouraged me to ride to such an extent that I looked forward to the weekends where I would meet up with my favorite steed bugs and together we would gallop into the horizon with wild abandon. I felt I looked rather smart in my breeches and my hat and I loved those moments with my steed. During one of our regular riding exercises at the stables, I fell off bugs and injured myself quite terribly. I stood up bruised, bloodied and in pain. Deciding to cut short the session, I dusted myself, bid farewell to bugs and turned limping towards the stands. Suddenly out of the blue, I heard my father's loud, booming voice saying, "Get back on the horse." I could hardly stand. And with tears rolling down my muddy cheeks, I lamented, "Papa, I can't. I'm badly hurt." But his relentlessly commanding voice ordered me once more, "Get back on the horse." and before he could take a couple of steps threateningly towards me i unwillingly scrambled up the horse as fast as i could and angrily completed the remaining exercises later on when i got my father i complained to him that i was hurt and bleeding and accused him of the fact that instead of helping me He demanded that I get back onto the horse. I thought it was a very cruel action, and I thought that I would be scarred for life, hurt and wounded at his reaction. And this was his answer: If you hadn't faced your fear and gotten onto that horse, there and then. you wouldn't have had the guts to get on to it ever again in your life the fear and the scare would have lived with you forever more as i stood looking at the lambretta his words came back to me i paused i stopped 
I thought, I reflected, I wondered. Yes, I loved writing it. I always would. The joy and the thrill of being astride on it without a care in the world was incomparable to anything else. The internal tug of war carried on for a bit longer. And then <laughs> the happiness and the joy that I always felt any time I was on a cycle or a two-wheeler or a horse for that matter came back to me and filled me with exhilaration and a feeling of adventure and anticipation. I got onto the Lambretta. I started the engine and without any trepidation drove off into the night absolutely fearlessly. Another lesson learned Face your inner demons, face your fears and overcome them, whatever else may happen. So this is what life teaches us. It gives us examples which at that moment we feel terribly ruffled, angry, upset. But there is always a reason for anything and everything to happen. God puts these experiences in front of us to feel them, to imbibe them, and basically to learn from them. It was much later in life that I could correlate the fear of getting onto the horse and the fear of getting on to the lambretta. And what did it teach me? It taught me that this fear, whatever the cause, whatever the failure, whatever the diagnosis, whatever the tragedy, whatever the downfall, this fear can be converted into a motivational, inspirational point to overcome and to conquer. All that comes our way, all the adversities, so that hum honge we shall overcome. And it's so strange. Life comes a full circle. And sometimes there is a point where the past, the present and the future do merge and intertwine with each other. And this is what happened a few months back when I revisited Kashmir. I revisited Srinagar to relive all my memories. And walking down that road in Rajbagh, leading to the Ban, where my uncle ran along furiously trying to teach me how to ride a scooter. And thankfully, it spluttered dead when I had to try and go up the Ban. I didn't. <laughs> Otherwise, Scooter and I would have fallen right into the riverside or landed on the head, on the, on the rooftops of someone's houseboat. I relived all those feelings of excitement and joy, of the fear that my uncle is going to catch me and thrash me because I zipped off before he could run along. And then I realized that the episode of learning how to ride on this very lane 
And after reliving all those memories, what occurred to me next? Yes, on the way back from this lane, I would pass the gate of the presentation convent. The main gate, which I never came through, because I ran through the hole in the hedge from my home into the school from behind. And I noticed that things have completely changed. The lane, the muddy pathway, full of trees, was now a solid road. The gate was a new one, spanking, new, and the buildings had increased. The school had become larger. And as I went down, not only this lane, but walked down my memory lane, and turned into the house, towards the house where I was living, I actually went to where our property was. With foreboding, with excitement, with adventurous feelings. And as I turned into the lane, the driveway, once again, I could see the trees, the cherry plants, the strawberries, the vegetable patch, the mulberry trees that got us into trouble, my aunt and I. And walking in, I called out to the watchman and I said, May I please see this house? Where is the owner? And he said, I'll call her. And a middle-aged lady came out and she looked at me and she said, Yes. And I said, You know, very emotionally moved, I said, May I please see your home? Because when I was young, there are a lot of my memories, my moments, my months, in fact, spent here. And she said, please do. Who are you? And I told her who I was. And she took me in. And what was fantastic is that though the entire building made of bricks and wood had been demolished, they had still maintained the formation, the angled entry up a few steps was there as you entered the house there was a staircase on the left when I looked up I saw the attic there of course we didn't have lights hanging here the whole thing was marble and chandeliers lit up the place in all its glory and very very softly slowly I treaded in wondering if I would disturb the ghosts that had been living there of all of us, not just I, but my cousins, my grandparents, my aunts and uncle, my parents. And I walked in trembling, not being able to comprehend. Did my past catch up with my present? Or is my present taking me back into my past? I asked her, may I go up the steps? She said, please, and she took me for a guided tour and as she opened the door of every room all that we did in that particular room came to life in my mind million things right from the time I was born till the last time I was in this home and the many times I had visited thereafter and seen it demolished seen it being built rebuilt tears just coursed down my eyes and there was release and at the same time there was a missing out on all those 
wonderful connections and memories of the continuous laughter that resounded in this home of ours, of the little fights, of hiding, of playing tricks on each other, of being naughty, of my going to the attic, which was the Babaji ka kamra, where we had the Granth Sahib, pretending to be studying, but within my books were all kinds of novels and comics. And the idea that I would dip my fingers into all the martbans, which had all the goodies to eat up there. And while walking up, I shared these with the owner who had converted it into a beautiful homestay. And she said, now you have to shift in here. And I said, I can't. And she said, why not? And I said, I'm leaving tomorrow. I've come tonight just to touch this place, to meet you and to go away. And she said, oh, how can you do this? I always wanted someone from this house to come and live here. And that is where I realized that my past and my present were connected to my future. And I turned to her and I said, yes, what? I will be back, I promise. I will be back and I will stay with you. And the eyes of this stranger lit up and she actually hugged me. We hugged each other as if we'd known each other for centuries. Forget a few fleeting moments. This stranger was not a stranger. She had become a part of my heart. And it is so strange that people you don't know a minute back can become so important. But isn't that beautiful? Because if I see that I'm connected to every soul on this planet, God knows which lifetime we were connected. God knows if I just hug them and they me and our hearts and our feelings and our hopes and our emotions touch and become one. And this is what I wish for all time. That all our hearts beat as one. There is no separation, there is no distinction, there is no war, there is no tragedy. And when we pray, we pray for peace and harmony in the world. We pray that all our prayers can reach those who need them and they can flower and bloom as healed, not wounded and hurting souls but as healed beings for a future that is connected and harmonious and alive with love and affection and more love, love. Or isn't it love that makes the world go round? And with these words, we come to another end of another episode and looking forward to being with you again. And all I can say that God is great. Thank you. Take care. Blessings and love from one who loves each of you very much indeed. I Embrace isn't just about my journey of conquering cancer. It's about embracing life in all its entanglement and beauty. Remember, in this journey of life, you are never alone. 
and I need to thank you for becoming a part of this inspiring journey. Thank you for joining me today on I Embrace and my heartfelt wishes. Stay resilient, stay positive, and most importantly, keep embracing life in all its glory. <laughs>